Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And we are live here on the MMA Industry Podcast, uh, December 5th edition. I believe that's correct. Yes, I'm already off to a good start. Got the date right. Uh, this is the podcast, if you haven't seen it, where we talk to people in the mixed martial arts industry, whether it's coaches, journalists, uh, you name it. We really are just here to inform you. And I got a great guest today. Uh, I writes uh, at MMA Fighting. He's a full-time guy. Uh, Alex Lee is joining me here on the program uh, for the very first time. Alex, how the heck are you? Thanks for doing this, man. Hi, James. I'm fantastic. Uh, probably still a little tired from last week, as I'm sure you are as well. Um, but yeah, honored, honored to be being interviewed by James Lynch. Uh, one, of, one of, again, you've interviewed so many people. So to be on that list is insanely cool. And I'm just very excited to, uh, to talk to you. Well, I'm happy too, because uh, you and I have been trying to get together for a while. We both live in Toronto. Um, and so, uh, and we both have very busy schedules. So uh, I, know, I know we've uh, usually in Toronto, I try to get all the media friends together. It's been tough getting you out. I know you've been busy. Uh, so this is kind of a nice way to kind of, uh, you know, get a bit of that conversation going as well. And obviously the viewers get the, the benefit of uh, hearing what you have to say as well. So I'm happy to have you on here. And the way I always start the show, Alex, is I like to talk about how my guests and I met and you and I have met in person. Uh, it was almost a year ago, about a year ago, uh, UFC 206 in Toronto. I remember it very vividly. I got there really early uh, to go to the event. This was the night of the fight. Uh, of course, the uh, Anthony Pettis and a Max Holloway fight. And uh, I got there super early. And I believe there was John Morgan and Ken Hathaway from MMA Fighting. And then I'm waiting in line. And then I see you come in. And uh, I had never met you before. And I didn't know uh, much about you at all because, uh, you know, back at your uh, previous job, uh, it's not like you're on camera or you had like a photo float floating around or anything like that. But uh, I found out you had worked at the score and you were doing uh, mixed martial arts stuff for them. So uh, we sort of met. And uh, that was actually your first event. So that was kind of neat, too, to like get you to see, you know, see you experience your first event as well uh, in Toronto. And that's how we sort of met. But uh, pr pretty cool, huh? T time flies in, in about a year, huh? It's absolutely crazy. And, and uh, James, you're underselling your presence at this event for me because <laughs> obviously I saw you, you're a familiar face. Anyone who, you know, watches uh, MMA interviews probably knows who you are. You do so many. I, I don't, I'll start bringing that up possibly. But um, <laughs> I did see you and I, and I, you know, you were so, so friendly. You talked to me right away. And immediately I kind of 
I kind of latched onto you because I'd never been to an event uh, as a journalist before. I'd been to a couple of events as a fan, maybe, but definitely I had no idea what I was doing. So I'm like, hey, if anything goes wrong, I'm going to ask James. I, I, James seems to know what he's doing. James is a confident guy. Um, there was other people who were there who were helpful as well, but I was definitely sticking to you. I think we sat cage side, I think, at least near each other or next to each other for some of the fights. At, at a certain point. So uh, the, the way it kind of worked with me for that event was I was doing interviews in the back. So the undercard, I was staying. Um, and if you remember uh, that event, uh, they had the, the the dining room and all like, you know, the catering stuff in the back. And then we had this little small area to do interviews in the corner, if you remember at the very back. So that, that was kind of interesting as sort of a, a tidbit to that. But uh, I was in the back uh, up until I believe the Matt Brown fight. And I, I specifically remember when I went to go get my seat, uh, basically walking to my seat. And a second later, Donald Cerrone knocks out Matt Brown. So uh, I got there. I think that was the co-main event of the card. So I, I didn't get to see too much uh, live, but nonetheless, good timing uh, to go to my seat. So yeah, um, but you know, again, I do I do really appreciate that help. And like I said, a lot has a lot has changed since then. A lot hasn't. I mean, like I said, I learned I learned as much as I could that night. But it was just one event. Uh, I think I, and then I think the next time I saw you in person, I want to say it was at the Mayweather McGregor Toronto. Yeah, store. it was. It would it would have been that far later because I don't think I would have seen you at any other. I'm trying to think if there's any other Toronto related things. Uh, there was some media stuff, but that was at Sportsnet, so I wouldn't have saw saw you for that. But yeah, it probably was the Mayweather thing. Um, but obviously, we we kept in touch over social. Oh no, hold on a second. We met before that. BTC. We were at BTC together. Remember which, which BTC event was that? That that was one of the at, at the Metro Center because you were there for that. I remember. Yes, and that was before. Sorry, that well, I thought for some reason I thought that was after Mayweather McGregor. That was before Mayweather. Yeah, McGregor. no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's all good. So uh, just just goes to show, you know, Alex not just covering UFC stuff, uh, covering the local stuff as well. BTC is uh, a local promotion here uh, in Toronto. But uh, let, let's talk about uh, UFC 218. That's why I wanted to get you on here. I thought it was important to get someone who was there this past week covering the event, like myself. Um, first off, before you even went to this event, how is it sort of determined that you were going to go cover this card? Like, did you ask your editor, or did they offer? You know, did they say, hey, we'd like to go how did that sort of work out well i'll tell you my name was just put on a list uh i actually as far as i knew when i signed on for this for to be with mma fighting all of it it was going to involve any on-site coverage on camera coverage you know my my so when i worked at score before mma fighting for people who don't know the score is a content aggregation site you know we do some original content as far as features and occasionally getting interviews but it's a lot of it is you know uh, as a lot of sites are now you take you, you take quotes and stuff and from other sites and you maybe put it in a different context or uh, you know just you're just trying to share information and and, and um with the score in the case of the score app which is a really good app i'll, I'll, I'll keep promoting it is the delivery method so if you want your news fast i definitely recommend score app they're good for that um I, I hadn't done anything for them in that sense. And I thought when MMA Fighting uh, signed me, just to do the same thing, more interviews, more aggregation, um, and handling a lot of their news coverage for the website. Going to Detroit, I said, awesome. And I thought, okay, good. I'm sure I could do some some live interviews there. But I wasn't sure exactly where my responsibilities would be. Uh, and uh, no, I, I had not uh, requested it, but I'm very glad that they picked me and said yeah, and I, I noticed that too when you were in the back uh, during during the media thing. I, I it wasn't eavesdropping. I just happened to be uh, sitting beside you. But I remember you talking to Ariel Hawani about uh, you know what you were going to be doing that evening. And I know you were a little hesitant to go cage side because you didn't want to feel like you were you know not doing your your fair share in the back. But Ariel's like, no man, go for it, enjoy it. You know, go to this event and stuff. So that must have been pretty cool to go out there in the arena and actually get to you know I knew we were doing the play by play and everything else, but to actually be there cage side is, is pretty damn cool as a media member. Definitely, and and it's funny I remember you bring up two O's. 
Olympics last year, I, I had the same problem. I wasn't sure where to be because I did want to, I remember Anthony Johnson made an appearance in the back and he wasn't fighting that night. He did a scrum and I'm like, I, I should probably be there for that and get some quotes from that. So I was running in between you. Uh, I missed, <laughs> as I was running around, I missed a lot of the Du Ho Choi, Ho Choi uh, part of Cub Swanson fight. So right. think about how dumb that is, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, it gave him a little more clear guidelines until I could stay cage side. I did have responsibilities for the site. I was doing some live blogging, so that was good. So I felt like I was doing work. It felt necessary to be there. And at the same time, I got to have an awesome seat, you know, right next to the action and, and enjoy a, what was turned out to be a really good night of fights. Yeah, it certainly was. And it's funny you mentioned that as sort of like uh, how sort of uh, everything's run. Um, when I covered UFC 174, which uh, you'll remember was the uh, card in Vancouver, it was the uh, Ali Bagotinov and Demetrius Johnson card. Um, I was still pretty green. It was only my second event that I covered. And uh, I remember when I went to the event, I just figured that all the fighters, so naive of me, all the fighters were going to be available after the fight. But really, as we know, uh, the undercard fighters come immediately after their fight is done. The winners come to the very back. So I missed out on all this content. I somehow put something together for Sportsnet just from the post-fight presser. But I, I was so naive and I didn't know and I didn't even think to ask, which was like a rookie mistake of, uh, you know, sort of what the process is. But, uh, yeah, so I missed out on, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, post-fight stuff for that card just because I didn't know to stay in the back. So kind of my strategy ever since then has been, you know, stay in the back for the undercard. You might get to sit cage side for the main card. But if you want to get those interviews, if you want to get those, uh, you know, as much content as you can it's best to sort of stay in the back so that's something i sort of took as a note um but uh the, the first day we got there of course uh was the open workouts that was on the wednesday uh, at ufc 218 really cool venue um where, where they sort of host everything it's called uh, i believe it's called the fillmore or fillmores and uh just kind of reminded me a bit of like a massey hall but sort of a, a nicer bigger version of it which was uh, kind of neat the way they set everything up um how was the media scrum for you uh, i felt it was actually pretty good for me anyways because it didn't seem like there was a lot of media there that day so we were kind of able to get in some uh, some questions and answers. How did, how did you just sort of uh, feel about the scrum that day? I thought it was all right. I I, uh, I did like again. I think I think you're saying like I kind of benefited the next day because I didn't feel compelled to get in a rush to track down the the four fighters who were involved in the workouts. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, scrums are definitely not one of my strengths. There's there's an art to being in a scrum. Uh, I have not done that many in my life. Um, I'm sure you you and others you know others in our field have done a lot. So there's definitely a, it's it's almost like a dance with the fighter and also with the other. You, know, you want to get in your stuff and because you don't want to be just the guy who's listening and doesn't you know contribute to getting a good quote. But at the same time, you can you also know everyone's trying to get in their questions. So how many can you get in? Um, are you do interrupt someone, things like that. It sounds mundane, I think, to anyone who is listening and, and doesn't, uh, you know, those scrums can get pretty, can get a little tense. Uh, I mean, we're all friendly, we all get along, thankfully. But th there are moments definitely where I, I hesitated to get in a question or I didn't get one or I felt bad, like, oh, did I cut off this guy? Um, but for the most part, got in when I needed to. But I wish, see, now I'm wishing I could have been more aggressive. That, that's going to be kind of a theme during the week as, as we talk about it more. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Uh, sort of the, the rule I use is, you know, I'll try and get in the first question if I can, just because you never know if you're, you're going to get to ask that question that you wanted answered. Because uh, I'm sure you've had this happen too, where you're in a scrum and you have an idea in your head. You're like, okay, I'm going to ask this question. And then literally right before you're about to ask it, someone else asks that same question. So you always have to sort of think three steps ahead. And as far as cutting off, you don't want to be sort of rude or anything like that. But at the same time, you have to sort of butt your way in. There's like an art to it, I'd say. And it's something I have, have had to sort of develop over the years as far. I mean, I remember when I first started, I never 
wanted to ask the first question. Now I, I know that I need to answer the first question just in case I don't get uh, that answer that I want. So there's sort of an art to that. And the other thing I should mention is I always try and keep it to usually one or two questions max, maybe three if I'm you know feeling sort of you know if, if not a lot of people are asking things. But uh, you don't want to overdo it. There's nothing worse. And, and you know I've seen this in scrums before where someone asks five questions. That's just too much, and you're not really being fair to the other people involved in the scrum. So that's sort of something I'm mindful as well. So there's definitely a definitely an art to the media scrum, uh, especially uh, you know. And then the nice thing we have sort of with that day was that there wasn't as many media for the media scrum as there was for Thursday for the media day. So sometimes you are able to get a bit more content out of it, uh, you know, from the fighters, which is uh, which is always good. But I'll mention for myself, I ended up getting a lot of good stuff from the scrum, uh, not so much from Jose Aldo. He wasn't very talkative and it was it's always difficult when you're doing stuff with the translator. But the benefit I had was I got all those uh, fighters on the Wednesday. So the Thursday with media day, I didn't talk to any of them because I had already gotten pretty much what I wanted from those fighters. Um, did you did you talk to both on each day or did you sort of pick and choose well first i want to mention jose aldo uh none of us was going to get as good an answer out of him as our <clears throat> as our colleague from tsn aaron bronstetter yeah, yeah who's been on the show too yeah. if you haven't if i just said if anyone hasn't seen it just look for aaron bronstetter's clip with jose aldo you'll know immediately why it's uh, hilarious and why he, i think i think it went viral it went at least somewhat viral it was incredible uh so yeah, a mix of aldo sort of dry humor and, and the way he talked to people and also uh, the translator maybe being a little too literal or I'm, I'm not sure how she handled it, but look for that clip. Um, yeah. As we said before, no, I, 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 I left the, you know, so on Wednesday uh, it was just me for MMA fighting and also the video crew, the Esther and Casey, you know, the two of the most brilliant people in the business and Eric Helwani, really, I want to say, obviously our big gun, I think of MMA fighting. Uh, he came in uh, for media day on Thursday. So, it made things a little bit easier for me. So I knew he was going to want to talk to Aldo and Overeem and Ganu and, and Holloway and, and really everyone. So on that job, my day was to be a little bit more of backup, maybe get some of the periphery personalities, coaches. Um, Raquel Pennington was there for, you know, to support Tisha Torres. So that was nice. Got to talk to her. Uh, a lot of people want to know how she's doing after she had a, you know, a pretty scary injury a, a, about a month ago. So uh, my responsibilities were definitely easier. And no, I, I, so I did not need to talk to the four, uh, the main event and co-main eventers. And uh, yeah, I was free to kind of roam, but it's a situation where I probably could have used a little more direction. Not, not to, 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 I mean, and that's on me. That's on me. I should have had a game plan going in and known right away, but I thought I'd be limited for options. But as you mentioned, it, it's, it was a bit more sparse than we would have expected. You kind of had your pick of whoever you wanted to talk to outside of uh, maybe Aldo and Holloway. Uh, but if you'd already talked to them, yeah, the other the other fighters, Sergio Perez, Sergio Torres, Shaw Watterson, and them they they got freed up pretty quick. Yeah, uh, media day for me was really good. I got uh, pretty much everyone I wanted. It was one of the few media days where I didn't feel too rushed. I think because I got the, the all the fighters I wanted from the open uh, workouts, uh, so I was able to get every fighter I wanted. And on top of that, I was able to get some other fighters as well. Like I actually had time to spare, which never happens. Um, I, I I'll never forget when I covered two hundred five and I ran out of time and I was so upset because I I sort of had this not very good strategy of I'll just interview the undercard guys first and then hopefully by the end all the all the main guys will be free and I, I just ended up running out of time so sort of learned my lesson from that but I, I got all the fighters I wanted I had a few issues um, I, I might have mentioned this to you so in my interview with Justin Gaethje for some reason I thought I wasn't recording my audio because I, I use a separate microphone so I pressed uh, you know the record button uh, you know partway through and little did I know I actually turned off uh, the mic so there's there's a part in my Gaethje interview if you watch it where uh, the audio sort of goes to the, the, the camera mic as opposed to the actual mic so people might notice that and then my Eddie Alvarez interview, like an idiot, for some reason I didn't record the video. Luckily, I got the audio, so I was able to just uh, put a photo over top and make a vi 
video out of that. But I, I was kind of those were sort of the only two things that, that really sucked about Media Day because I, I had only found out after that uh, the video didn't record with Alvarez, and I'm not going to go back and interview him again just because I was like, well, I got the content I wanted. I don't want to bother him again. I mean, there's nothing worse than having to redo an interview, so I kind of just left it at that. But I had a really good interview with Michelle Waterson uh, that went well. I'm a big fan of the challenge, uh, the, you know, the the show on MTV. So it was neat for me to kind of interview her about that because I, you know, I've watched the show for for seasons and seasons, and I uh, got some really good stuff for the most part. Um, I was there for Fightful.com, so I was able to get a lot of good stuff. Uh, they, they want you know sort of the wrestling angle with a lot of things, so that's why you'll notice in the Overeem uh, scrum I asked about Brock Lesnar because you know the, the audience stuff uh, for Fightful sort of wants that stuff. So I was able to get in a you know a bit of things here and there, and I was pretty happy with how everything went. I had uh, one little incident that happened at the media day. Not going to get into it. it. Involved a manager. Uh, maybe I'll mention it on the show at some point. But uh, I, I, if, if you were there, you sort of know which manager was there, and uh, you know giving some people some hard time. Lucy gave me a hard time, but uh, but that's that. That's a story for another day. Um, and uh, and of course, you know we had Cyborg and Holly Holm as well. Uh, you know, giving us some some great stuff, and that was interesting too because. Um, I figured they'd bring them out one at a time. They brought them out both at a time. So that was a little tricky too. I don't know if you had this issue as well, but uh, so, you know, I, I went to Holly first just because I knew she'd give better answers. Just, you know, she speaks English well and, you know, she's just very punctual or whatever. So I asked her right off the bat about the comments that Cyborg made about her being tested. And I got some really good answers out of that. And I was very happy with it. But the problem is once you leave the Holly scrum, because there's a small group of media, I went over to the Cyborg scrum and now I'm thinking in my head, geez, I hope, you know, she doesn't have to repeat herself because I have no idea what the other media asked her. That's the only sort of tricky part about it. Well, you do get sort of that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, the, the smaller media presence, you do have to, you don't want to annoy the fighter by asking the same thing. Did you find that as well? Did you have that issue? Yeah, I had that, I had the dilemma. So I, the, so I saw uh, Ariel and the video team set up in front of Cyborg. So I said, okay, good. So I, I'm assuming they'll film some of Cyborg and then maybe come over here for home. So I'll stick with home until then. Home and Cyborg, they must have both talked for at least well over half an hour. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm, the timing is messed up in my head, but it feels like they both talked for quite a long time. So they didn't, uh, Ariel and the video crew didn't come back over until after. So I'm not sure how they decided to split the time. Again, they probably also didn't know how long they, they might have thought there was going to be some sort of official break and saying, okay, we're going to, you know, switch over the sides. And yeah, having them both go at the same time was tricky. So I only for myself got quotes from home directly. So I ended up writing something about home after, but I really couldn't write something for cyborg because I could have used the video from our site, but at the same time we didn't, I know we didn't have the whole scrum. So definitely. And the other thing is I didn't want to go over to cyborg for the exact same reasons you said. I, I, it, it, drives me crazy when, and it usually happens on a conference calls. I'm sure you've been on conference calls. Yeah. Some yeah. time, maybe just like, even like five, 10 minutes late and, and get the question in and then ask something that's already been asked or worse, someone's been there, but hasn't been paying attention to an answer. And then they, they ask the question, you just know they were zoned out or weren't paying attention. So you don't want to be that guy. I mean, we're all that guy sometimes, but you do everything in your power to avoid being that guy. So I stuck to home because I said, well, I know that I know how this interview has gone. And if, you know, when I want to get my own questions in, I know nothing bad will happen, but yeah, I, I essentially missed out on cyborg personally. Yeah. Another interesting tidbit you talked about it there is, uh, you know, getting other fighters that happen to be there or other, uh, you know, people that were there at the media day. So I also got Raquel Pennington, got a really good answer out of her. I don't know if you talked to her about this, but uh, her and Tisha, I guess, went uh, hunting with Darren Cruikshank. Did you hear about this? Oh. 
Yeah, no, so it was interesting. Yeah. So I guess, uh, and you know, for those who haven't seen my interview with Tisha, but uh, Tisha, I guess, is really good friends with Darren Cruikshank's girlfriend. Darren Cruikshank, the UFC veteran, trains at a Michigan top team, uh, you know, lives in Michigan. So I guess there was that connection there. So they actually went hunting, which was kind of neat. So I got to talk to them about that because I, you know, I'm always, when I'm doing these interviews, I'm trying to find stuff that's different, trying to find something that's sort of a bit human about them outside of fighting because, you know, not, fighters get sick of talking talking about fighting all the time. So it's nice to kind of get outside the bubble. So I was able to get Raquel. I got Jason Peru as well who cyborgs uh, coach uh you know had some really good stuff there from him he was super nice um and then so as as this day's going on i mean i got like 10 interviews i'm by myself so i have to upload everything um i have to edit everything myself so it's, it's a really busy day so i would have liked to get more interviews from people that were just around the hotel because i sort of had a good strategy where um i, I needed good wi-fi I, I don't know if you saw my tweet but my, my wi-fi in my hotel was awful so mm -hmm. i was trying to stay down at the fighter hotel as much as i could because the wi-fi that the ufc provides us is really good so so I ended up staying at this table right beside the Starbucks. You probably know what I'm talking about when you come downstairs from the, the thing that's directly out there. But the benefit I had is uh, the elevator's there to go up to the hotel room. So I saw all the fighters that were coming and going. Um, so I ended up getting Dominic Reyes as well, who I, I interviewed before the fight, but you know I wanted to interview him in person. So I got him. I got his coach, Joe Stevenson, as well. I've been a big fan of Joe Stevenson for a long time, so it was neat to, to talk to him about that. Uh, Kevin Lee came downstairs, but it was at the point where I was already editing so much. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'd love to grab him and get his thoughts on you know what what's going on but i had to make a choice it's either i grab him or i you know i'm, I'm setting myself back another hour to get this content up as, as fast as i can so i opted not to take him didn't matter of course because we got the scrum with kevin lee on fight night so luckily i was i had that but there were a couple times where there were other fighters there that i would have liked to grab for interviews but i literally was overloading myself and i was like I want to, you know, at least get to get this up in a timely manner. So I had to sort of make that choice. But, uh, you know, obviously in, in your, your guys' case, you know, you guys work at a, as a team. So you have that luxury of being able to, to sort of do that. So that that's what happened from my perspective. How was the rest of your Thursday uh, that day? Because, uh, you know, we did the media day and everything like that. Were you up fairly late transcribing or how did the rest of the day sort of pan out for you? Yeah, definitely a lot of transcribing later. It's like, you know, I do want to mention a couple of mishaps uh, that slash bloopers or horrible things that happened on media day. You said... I also had the failure to record problem with uh, Sergio Pettis, my first interview of the day. I'm not sure what happened. I, I've had this recorder for a long time. Talk to me about this. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Tell the audience. It's great. It, it didn't record. Yeah. Midway, midway through, I thought I got it. So then I pressed the button again. And then I realized neither time did it go through. And so, uh, you know, Sergio sees this. Obviously, I want to thank him first time. And I apologize for, for wasting five or six minutes. Thankfully, it wasn't a long interview for his sake. Um, the other thing that came up was, you know, do you remember the Sajara Eubanks uh, weight problem news broke during the media day. Now, I don't know if you got that information before you spoke to Alvarez. I did not. Uh, no, it was, it was, I, I, I had heard, I had heard you actually talk about it because, you know, you kind of roam around when you're doing these media things. I had heard it, I believe, just before Holm and Cyborg were coming out. So I actually got that a bit, uh, I, I heard late uh, compared to everyone else that was there. So people had warned me, like, you know, Eddie's done a lot of interviews. And he's, he can be a really great personality, but you have to, as with any, fighter, athlete, anybody you interview, you have to treat them with respect and give them a good question, you know, to open up, to get them to open up, right? Yeah. So I said, okay, you know, I'll be really, really casual, really cool about it and be like, hey, you know, Eddie, what's going on? Uh, uh, do you wish you were in Las Vegas, you know, helping out Sarge, prepare for a fight? Yeah. And he's like, Sarge is out, man. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I totally caught off guard because I had not, and, and the news had already broken. I just had, I had not been checking my phone during this whole thing. I was focused on looking at the fighters and things. And so he, he, he was, I don't know if it was Facebook living it or Instagram living it. He was doing some sort of stream. He turns the camera. He's like, Hey, look at me having to break the news to this journalist. Like, uh. <laughs> like 
Oh, Eddie, you son of a... <laughs> yeah. But I, obviously, he's like, you know, he's a good interviewer. He was just busting my chops. So uh, it was fine. But that, just just a couple of the, the, the silly things that happened that day. And um, But yeah, other than that, a lot of transcribing. Again, my week, uh, as exciting as it was, probably wasn't exciting compared to other people. I would go to an event. I'd, 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 I'd hang out with the crew after. You know, we'd, we'd hit a coffee shop, maybe get some work done there. And then anything that left to be done, just back to my hotel room, shut my door, and, and get in that just clickety clack away on my computer and try and get some content out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Um, I mean, the media weeks are fun, but you're working a lot. And I, there were certainly some days where I remember the media day Thursday because I was having the issues with the Internet. I had all these interviews I had to get up and uh, and I had tickets to the Red Wings game, which in hindsight, not that smart because I should have, you know, I would have I would have rather had, you know, that time that night to get everything done and then go enjoy myself. But I was kind of interrupted partway through. I think I had five interviews up at that point and then I had these tickets. I wasn't going to get rid of them. I got to go see the Red Wings play. I'm a big hockey fan. So I ended up going to that game and then I had to come back after the game had a few drinks too, and I uh, had to I'd do the rest of my interviews. I didn't go to bed that night until about two in the morning just because my internet was awful and uh, I had to get everything up. So Thursday was a very, very, very late night for me, but I only have myself to blame because I, uh, I should have, I, well, the, the issue was the Red Wings only played the one day when we were there. So it was like, do I go? Do I not? But I'm glad I went because, you know, at least I got to experience it. So uh, that, that's one of those uh, things you got to you gotta pick and choose your time. Uh, it's always uh, very valuable. Now, you were on the preview show with Ariel Hawani, which is a big deal for anyone. How did you find that out? Did Ariel just say, hey, we're getting you on? Did you want to come on? Did you know about this in advance? How did that come together? I will say I was somewhere prepared, but I didn't assume I was going to be on. I, again, when I was told I was going, other than you know being having to go to workouts and do the media day and, and be at the weigh-in and things like that, which I assumed I would have to do, I did not assume that I would necessarily be on the preview show because I'd never done anything like that before. So I know that generally – the person who goes with Ariel, whether it be, you know, Makramandi, Sean Al-Shadi, a lot of, you know, a lot of the other writers from MA Fighting, generally they do do the preview show with him. But I wasn't sure if it was because, again, they have experience with other outlets. And, you know, I don't know a lot about my coworkers' backgrounds, as bad as that sounds. But, and I know for, but I knew for me, I don't have that much experience. I, I hadn't been on camera doing like that since I was in school. So I thought, okay, I would understand if they just want to have Ariel do the show by himself. I, I completely understand. I'll make sure to pack some nice shirts, you know, just in case and obviously get my hair cut. But I know I wasn't assuming anything. So, um, but I was prepared. I, I was prepared when they, when they, they said, let's go, we're going to film this. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like I, I, my goal, you know, actually when I was coming out of school is I want to do on camera stuff and I, and I enjoy writing as well, but I also want to be able to do both if possible. Um, but I had an emphasis on on camera. It's just, you know, it's difficult to get those opportunities in our business. So yeah, to get to do it for the site was so much fun. I was nervous. I don't know if you watched the first video, but my good, my goodness, I, you know, I was like, I like the micro machines guy. I don't know if anyone gets that reference anymore, but I was just babbling, just babbling and barely. No, I, I honest to God, I, I watched it and I thought, man, you're holding your own. You're, you're bringing sort of good stuff. And listen, it's funny you say that about the, you know, uh, micro machine thing or whatever the, the thing you were saying, implying that you were talking too fast, I'm guessing. Is that what you meant? Uh, yeah, way too fast. Definitely. <laughs> so. Funny you mentioned that. I have no problem admitting this on air. Uh, I got the exact same message from our boss here at Fightful, uh, Jimmy Van. He says, you know, you're doing a great job. Just slow down how you talk a little bit. And my issue is two things. And I explained this and it wasn't an excuse. It's just kind of what we're dealing with here. Uh, but because, you know, this is in reference to media day is uh, for me, it's two things. Number one, I generally talk fast as it is. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm sort of, uh, you know, a bit of a babbler. That's just, it's just sort of my personality. And two is when you're doing media day, you only have a certain amount of time. So you're wanting to get as much as you can out of there. So 
it's kind of tough to balance the two, but it's something like I needed to hear because in, in general, and I'm sure even on this show, I've kind of talked a bit too fast. It's something I have to remind myself to maybe just slow things down a little bit so it doesn't become distracting, uh, you know, for certain viewers. So even myself, who's done as many interviews as I, as I have, uh, I still get the same criticism. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. Yeah, I'm sure when I when I watch this clip back later, which I will because I'm a narcissist, because uh, <laughs> I think right now I think we're both talking normal speed. Same here, like, but other people could think otherwise, right? So I'll watch the clip back and I'll be like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard when you're you know when you're when you're in the moment, you're you're not thinking about that. And and I'll tell you, Ariel and I we didn't do any rehearsal before, so you know he just told me, "Look, it's it's like you just told me." For this we're just having a conversation we're two guys talking about mma right no big deal that's that's how we got our job that's the business we're in how hard is that right so i said to be on my toes he's coming at me with questions uh, again nothing no, you know he's not throwing any, anything crazy at me and uh, if anything i feel i feel like he respects that he can ask me at least some questions which require some serious thought and and i won't be caught off guard and again we can always reshoot um fortunately we did not need to uh one take alex that's what they used to call me in school or that's what i called myself anyway and uh I thought, and yeah, it was very fun to do, and, and it turned out it turned out mostly okay. But you know, when you're being filmed by people with that kind of talent, you're going to look good no matter what. So, you did a great job. I'm not just saying that because you were on here. I thought you thought you did a good job. You know, so I, I find there's I've talked about this on the show before. I find there's a lot of writers who just go on camera and think they're automatically good. And the fact that you know I thought you were good, and you're still you know trying to find ways to you know improve, I think is the right attitude towards it. Um, I find there's a bit of arrogance with some writers uh, when when they're on camera sometimes. So that's good. You know, even me, I've got stuff to work on. It's it's not like I'm an expert, so that's something to sort of uh, consider. Um, so let's go ahead to you know the weigh-ins. Uh, not much. I mean, other than you know I had heard leading up to the weigh-in. Uh, from a couple sources that uh, Henry Cejudo was having a tough cut, but he ended up making the weight. No controversy there. Of course, there was the thing with uh, with Aldo somehow weighing one pound less, and then they put the towel on. That that's in itself. So not, nothing too crazy from the weigh-ins. I didn't go to the actual weigh-ins, the the ceremonial weigh-ins, uh, just because I can't really film anything. And you know they made weight, so there's there's not much to do there. Um, but but let's talk about the actual fight night. Um, what were you? I, I know you were cage side. You were doing like play by play and stuff like that. How was uh, the event? Uh, you know for you know being cage side and comparing that to say 206 when you first went well the, the thing i'll say is and i realize this is 206 and really every live event i've ever been at um which is not that many i can probably count the amount of live events i've been at on both hands so but you really one i feel like you can judge fights better i know judges get a lot of get a lot of crap you know there's a lot a lot of uh, criticism of judges for getting things wrong and stuff like that and, but um definitely seeing fights live you you get a better idea for things and also I remember, and you, you see a lot of the details that you wouldn't see on TV. And at the same time, you probably miss some details. But one of the things was, I remember the Charles Oliveira, Paul Felder fight. This really stands out to me was Oliveira had him on the ground. He throws his knee while they're both, you know, they're both down on the mat. And, and for sure, I can imagine, I can hear the, I hear the crowd go like, oh, like, what is that? As I was fortunate to be, or we were all, anyone who was sitting on the media row, from the angle we could see, we definitely saw that it hit him in the chest. So it's little stuff like that where it's funny. At home, I probably would have been the same way with the crowd. I would have been like, ah, there's Charles Oliveira kind of being like a head case again and throwing some weird, bizarre, illegal strike. Um, but there you could see the difference. And, and, and again, obviously also just feeling the impact of things. I mean, the Nganu knockout was just terrifying if you were there. It, it Oh, my gosh. As, as soon as it happened, um, uh, th my mouth was agape. You know, all professionals went out the window. I was just in shock. So, yeah, the, the live experience is, is really different. And um, – uh, yeah, it was it was great to be able to be there and get that be that up close to it. How late were you up on Saturday, and uh, when did you get back to Toronto on Sunday? I'm curious. Well, my hours are really messed up anyway. Uh, I, I was just recently traveling, and that's not even an excuse. Before that, my hours are messed up. I'm still 
the creative process is a mysterious one, James, as I'm sure you know, and you find yourself, I mean, I, I know you, you have a kid now, so you, you're probably a little more uh, structured, you know, you, you have another person sort of dictating <laughs> your behavior. Yeah, schedule, yeah that's true, yeah. But I, I, I'm up late a lot anyway, so I must have been up to maybe uh, 4.35 in the morning that night, maybe a little bit later than that, and, and slept in as much as I could, but then I, had, I got kicked out of my hotel room, so I got to walk around the city, it was a beautiful day on Sunday, um, so yeah, the weekend was, was just uh, delightful, it was, it was great. Did you get up to anything outside of the media stuff? Did you get to go check anything out while you're in Detroit? Um, or was it just, you know, go to the event, stay in your room, do a hotel, you know, do uh, work, work on stuff in the hotel. What was sort of the, did you get up to anything outside of things? Uh, Esther Lynn, bless her heart. She's the adventurous one. So she would always recommend coffee shops to check out and restaurants. So a few eateries and things like that. But no, I, 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 I very much limited my experiences, which, I, which is one of my regrets. I know you said like, oh, the... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Red Wings game had had sort of interrupted your workflow, but I really do wish I'd, I'd gone to see the Suns. I guess the Suns would have been impossible. We were at the uh, we were at the workouts pretty late, uh, or at least we would have missed most of the game. But yeah, I should have done something Detroity, you know, as it were. And and again, that's something I'll learn now that I know where where you can fit in time to work and where you have free time. Hopefully, if I do get sent out and signed again. I'll I'll be able to squeeze in some sort of local you know local uh, entertainment things like that. So. Yeah, you regretted going to that game a little bit. I regretted not going to anything. So. Fair enough. No, 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 ab- absolutely. Uh, did you get to any, like, interesting restaurants? Uh, this one place, i got to give them a shout-out, uh, the ba- Basement Burger Bar, right across the street from the hotel I was staying at. Really good burgers, very unique menu. I think I went there three times uh, while we were there just because I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just, you know, a very, like, kind of like a – almost like the works um, a little bit. Uh, if, if you've, have you ever been to the works in Toronto? Yeah, I think that, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but just, uh, you know, different variety of stuff and uh, just, just a really good spot. I also went to a barcade. Um, the guy I was with, uh, who, you know, Steve Jeffrey, who, uh, you know, went, went down with me for Media Week and was uh, covering the event as well. We hit up a barcade that had, uh, you know, all the old games, Street Fighter, NBA Jam, all that stuff. Uh, so we, we got to do that as well. And then we went to a really good breakfast place uh, about 15 minutes away from the Doubletree where the fighters were staying uh, called Parks and Rec. And I had just a phenomenal breakfast and uh, really cheap. I think it was like 12 bucks or something for like a really solid, meaty 
breakfast. So I got to give a shout out to both those places because uh, there's one thing I like doing when I go to these cities uh, and going to events is trying to find different spots. So I definitely got to hit uh, hit them up. But you said you went to a couple sh- coffee shops. Did you go to any uh, any places? Um, you know, as far as like uh, you know restaurants or anything? Yeah, I went to a good restaurant. The name escapes me, unfortunately. Uh, we also went, but the coffee shop we frequented a couple of times was the Roasting Bean. And okay. I don't know if that's a, a Michigan thing or a, a Michigan-only franchise or Detroit-only franchise. So forgive me if these things are everywhere. But uh, yeah, Roasting Bean we thought was a very solid place. Good ambiance, good coffee. I, got, I don't have coffee, but the, the, my, uh, my peers seem happy with it. And uh, good internet, most importantly, when you're trying to do work after an event. So Roasting Bean gets my endorsement, yeah. I, I got to mention quickly Friday night. Uh, so I think, you know, Friday between basically the early morning weigh-ins Friday and Saturday, I get all this free time because I have all my work done. Um, I do a little video for the early morning weigh-ins and then, uh, you know, I don't have to do anything till Saturday. So of course, Friday night after a long nap, I, uh, I, I went out on Friday and um, I actually went out for dinner. I'll give him a quick shout out in here. Mo, Mo Shatry, he's a lightweight fighter from Michigan. I, I've known him quite well. Uh, he, he was like, hey, you know, let's go for dinner or something like that. I, I know there might be a little conflict of interest there, but, uh, you know, he wanted to show me, uh, you know, good for dinner so I went out for dinner with his fiance and Steve and I both went and we, we had a really good time and sort of you know talked a bit about uh, you know him training at Michigan top team and sort of his future he's, he's an up-and-coming fighter so and I've interviewed him a handful of times so I figured it'd be good to sort of uh, you know do that as well and uh, so, so we did that and then a bunch of us went to the double tree where the fighters were staying and watched the tough finale so that was kind of a neat experience and when I tell you everyone was there everyone was there um, Bruce Buffer was there uh, Robin Black's there who good friend of mine uh, I'm sure you know as well uh, you know Robin um, you know Mick Maynard there uh there's all these managers there there's fighters there who aren't even competing on the card uh you know tyron woodley was there uh kamara usman was there so we're all in this uh, hotel bar and we're all uh, watching the tough finale and it was kind of neat and one cool moment for me and I, I talked about it on twitter if anyone saw my feed is uh gerald mershard i've interviewed a handful of times even dating back to before he got in the ufc he fought eric spicely and i'm in the bar you know, having a drink and uh, Duke Rufus is beside me, who's his coach and watching Duke react to Gerald winning the fight was one of the coolest things uh, of the weekend. Uh, just getting to see that and him sort of, you know, moving his arms around kind of like uh, Chuck Liddell does when he watches a fight. And uh, that was super cool to see, uh, you know, just the reaction of him uh, seeing Gerald win a pretty big fight against Eric Spicely. So little things like that were, were really neat to, you know, kind of get to see the fighters outside the cage, uh, see them, you know, kind of uh, watching fights and enjoying fights. And uh, that was definitely a highlight of the weekend uh, for me as well. So, uh, yeah, um, if you're ever going to these fight cards and covering it, find the fighter hotel. Guaranteed there's some downstairs uh, watching some fights. Uh, we got lucky because, you know, obviously they don't have fight cards on a Friday. So it was kind of neat to see them uh, check that out as well. Um, last sort of thing on 218. Was there anything you, you sort of took away the most from the card? Uh, any Anything you kind of wish you would have done differently? You mentioned, you know, maybe not getting to, to do some of the sites and stuff. But was there anything maybe from a media standpoint that you wish you would have done better or some things that you were very happy with uh, from the event? Yeah, you know, Overall, I'm, I'm happy with how it went, but I, I definitely, I mentioned being aggressive before, and I wish, I wish I'd gone in with a little more confidence, you know. Um, even though I say I could have used more guidance, I think, I think in our field, uh, a lot of it's independent. A lot of it's independent, independent motivation, no matter, no matter what elder you're with. You know, they, like you said, they might ask you, for example, ask a few wrestling questions, right? That's some guidance you got from Fightful. But other than, other than that, they trust you as a professional to, to, to handle the beat on your own. You know, they know that you have the skills. That's why they sent you out there. And, and you know, that's why they trusted me too. So I do feel like I, I just wish I'd done more. I always feel like I could do more. I didn't get any comment from that. You know, I haven't got any comments saying, oh, you know, um, where's this, where's that, where's this content? But in my head, in my head, I feel like, like, could I have talked to this person? You know, I, I'll think, I'll think about a fighter who, who I know I didn't interview, and and, and uh, 
you know, Ariel got everyone, thankfully. So we have content from all the fighters, but I had to tell myself, could we have had a little more? Could there have been a quote I could have gotten maybe that Ariel didn't get the chance to get? But, if, but in the time, it went by, it just felt like it went by very quickly in the moment. And uh, so just wanting to do more, just feel, feeling like there's always more we could have done. And maybe a question I could have asked here, a question I could have asked there, something I should have followed up on. Again, you've done a lot of interviews, you know, you always be like, ah, why, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I, you listen, you listen to the transcript and you're like, why didn't I pick up on that? You know? So, uh, yeah, regrets that I typically have, but even more so during fight week. But other than that, no, it was, it was so enjoyable. And, um, yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it. You know, I also did the post fight show That's and, right. and that I felt so much better about it. it again, still so much to learn, but <laughs> I, I had, I had been thinking about, how displeased I was with my debut. I'm like, I want to do at least a little better. You know, if it's even a little bit better, then I'll be happy. And I, I, I think it was a little better. And uh, hopefully the next time, if there is a next time that I'm on camera, it'll be just a little bit better as well. And so, you know, just keep getting a little better, a little better. And then that's where those moments of being overcritical of yourself are actually good because it just makes you want to do that much better the next time. I mean, I've had interviews where, you know, I forgot to ask something or I, I stumbled on something and it's like, okay, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen the next interview. And because I do so many, I, that happens frequently. So it's, it's, you know, sort of a, a good thing to have. Um, very last thing on the event, uh, what was the feedback like from your, your peers and sort of, uh, you know, your coworkers and everything like that? I imagine it was pretty good because, you know, from what I saw, I mean, we didn't hang out too much during the media week just because we had our own things going on. Uh, it seemed like everything went really well for you. It was good. It was good. You know, just, just some messages from, from, from some of the other MMA fighting guys saying you did a good job with previews and, and things like that and good job of coverage. And I was, you know, thank you and all that. And again, getting to meet just some faces who I know from Twitter and know from online, but you know, I, on the last night, like I'm so bad at introducing myself to people. So really it wasn't the last night I finally, you know, got off my butt and started saying, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm with MMA fighting now. I'm kind of a new guy there. Uh, Damon Martin, you know, um, uh, Mike Dice. I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but really everyone I met, just nice people, uh, hardworking people. And it was nice to put a, a face to the, to, the, to the Twitter account, as it were, you know, so. Now, this is an example of Alex being uh, overly critical of himself because I'd say Alex does one of the best jobs when it comes to networking. Um, I remember you at the Mayweather Presser and you introducing yourself to pretty much everyone. And that's a good skill to have. And it's not, here's the thing. There's, there's a difference between kissing someone's ass and actually being genuine and actually wanting to know what they're about. And uh, you do a very good job of that. And that's going to sort of bring me to my next point here because uh, you, uh, you've got a pretty interesting career. We've got, uh, you know, just under 20, you know, just over 20 minutes left here in the show. And I did want to talk about sort of your background in the industry. Normally, uh, you know, I start the show off by doing that, but uh, we had to talk about 218. And uh, I, you have a really interesting story to me because, uh, you know, you're one of the guys who's been covering the sport for, for a little period of time, but you're working at the best site, uh, you know, in the business at MMA fighting. And it, it's pretty, pretty great to see. And I think when everyone saw you get the job, uh, the, the consensus was this couldn't have happened to a nicer guy and a better guy uh, for all the work you were doing. But when did it sort of start for you as far as your interest in mixed martial arts? I know you also like pro wrestling. Where did that sort of begin? And then we'll sort of go along the timeline of how you ended up at fighting. Now, now I'm glad I took notes. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I, I disagree. I think when I got the job, most people were like, who is this person? Where did they come from? <laughs> who, who, is, who is this guy? And I don't, honestly, I don't blame anyone because I, I still consider myself to be fairly unknown in the MMA uh, media sphere. And I'm working on fixing that. Definitely every day I want to become more well-known and I, and I want to do a better job. Um, but yeah, I, I essentially did come out of nowhere. Uh, I was not my, so I'm a late bloomer with a lot of sports teams. I'm a, I'm a, so I'm a huge basketball fan. Basketball is, is, is an MMA are like my life, you know, and, and I thought I was going to be a basketball writer. Um, that's what was my goal for the longest time when I was, when I was growing up and I was in high school and, 
and wanting to pursue writing. And even that, I was a late bloomer. And I probably didn't start really, you know, I'm like a lot of people. I watched uh, Michael Jordan and things like that, but casually, you know. And as you got older, you, 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 your interests become more specific and, you, you know, you're able to understand things more. So not until I'm not one of those people who was like, oh, as a kid, I went to I remember going to, you know, uh, the sky, you know, Rogers Sky Dome when the Rogers Center was a Sky Dome. And no, I, I don't have any of that nostalgia that drove me towards sports. It was something I discovered much later. Uh, and MMA. Boy, people are going to are going to kill me now when they hear my, but the first event I ever truly watched, aside from highlights from other shows, maybe was was uh, UFC 79. That was uh, GSP Hughes and. Uh, and uh, one of the fights that I still consider to be one of my all-time favorites, Chuck Liddell and Vanderlei Silva. I, I vaguely knew who these people were from my friends. A lot of my friends got me into MMA. And I never thought it would be a career. I just thought I'd kind of been, you know, you mentioned pro wrestling. I, I think like a lot of fans, uh, I've kind of been moving on from pro wrestling. I, I'll always like it, but I kind of moved on a little bit. And there's a very logical connection, as much as some MMA fans try to deny it, between professional wrestling and MMA. So... I got into that, and then shortly after, obviously, Brock Lesnar came in, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is, everything makes sense to me now. You know, yeah. I know Brock Lesnar. I, I'm starting to get into MMA. And then uh, the third event I watched was uh, Anderson Silva and Dan Henderson, UFC 82. And so I got to watch one of the greatest guys of all time in his prime. And also one fight, which I'll never forget for some reason, Chris Lieb and Alessio Sakara. So in these first three events, I saw all kinds of things. I saw the, you know, the, 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 the champion of GSP, one of the greatest of all time, Andrew Silva as well. I got to see the, the brawler, Chris Lieben, who I, who I still love to this day, one of my favorite fighters. I got to see the weird crossover stuff with Brock and one of the biggest draws in MMA history, as I would later learn. And then from those, from there, again, I, I'm not trying to get into his business, but when I, I'm one of those people, when I get into something, man, I, I want to know everything about it, you know, and thankfully we, li we live in the internet age. You want to know about anything. And, and when you think about how MMA is as a, as a mainstream sport is maybe only 30 years old as a mainstream sport, obviously the martial arts date back centuries. But if you want to follow UFC, boy, it's, it's right there for you. If you have the time and you have the dedication, it's right there for you. So I became, I just ferociously started devouring everything I could learn about MMA. I had the dumbest opinions. I didn't know anything about anything. So if I didn't know, I go to my friends who know that who's this guy? Who's this guy? Why, why GSP say that after the fight? I don't get it. Why is he, why is he, uh, who's Matt Sarah? You know, who's, why, why is he calling on Matt Sarah? Didn't he just beat up Matt Hughes? Yeah. So stuff like that would happen. And I just asked, I'd ask, and I come up with the biggest idiot. Eventually my friends did not want to watch events with me anymore because I had so many questions. <laughs> and, uh, or the opposite, uh, once they started increasing the events, remember, you know, remember how rare UFC events used to be. They started increasing them. And I would just be like, oh, do you guys want to watch this random fight night or watch this Ultimate Fighter episode? And they're like, buddy, take a break. Take a break from MMA. Chill out. It's okay. fine. There's nothing to do. But I, could, I couldn't do it. I got hooked so badly, and I tried to do everything I could learn. And I knew, and to this day, you know, I know that I'm not, I, I don't have that, that, uh, that background that people have where they're like, oh, they remember tape trading, you know, pride and, and staying up till this time of the morning. I don't have that. You know, I don't have those experiences. I, I have a different perspective on it. Um, I have probably have a, more objectivity when it comes to those things for better or for worse. But definitely I, I tried to educate myself as much as possible. And at some point start to realize, you know, maybe, maybe this could be something I could write about. And I started doing that for bloody elbow. They have a fan post section, you know, you can put up whatever you want. And, and I was doing, you know, I'm a believer, James, and find a niche and fill it. And yeah. one of them was the ultimate fighter had, had fallen to such disarray and no one cares about it anymore i'm still kind of a fan of the show so i said well i'll start writing about it. who cares you know you'd write about it i'd see maybe two or three comments a week but it was a way to keep 
myself regular and keep a schedule and learn how to stay on schedule. And every time I was on schedule, like I'd say, I wanted on at the very worst, you know, the next day after. And every time I missed it, I felt like crap. But every time I made it, I felt like, ah, maybe this is what a professional writer feels like. So that was sort of the start of it. Again, uh, starting very late in MMA and then just writing about the ultimate fighter and playing around with styles and playing around with what, you know, does this work? Does this work? Should I have this kind of voice? Should I be more formal, less formal? How do, what do people think? And yeah, it was, it, it's, you know, not the most exciting story, right? But it's, it's just, uh, it was just about finding something and it just lit a fire under me and then putting as much work as I can to catch up on with all these other people who have been following this sport for so long. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, uh, for, for me, it was, uh, yeah, I, I tell this all the time. It was the ultimate fighter that actually got me into the sport. It was the first season. And I, I, it's funny you say basketball. I wanted to be a hockey broadcaster. So for me, it was, uh, you know, similar thing where this was sort of something that was uh, very unexpected. So, uh, it's interesting to see where, where life sort of takes you. Uh, now you, if I'm not mistaken, you went to school at Centennial. Was that where you went or where, where did you go to uh, university college? So, First off, I'm going to say my age right off the bat. I, I, I probably look a little bit younger than I actually am, but I'm, I'm 33 years old. I just turned, recently turned 33. Uh, aging is about a number. 33 years young, I should say. I feel like a young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so my first, you know, undergrad, I went to U, I went to UT. I was an English major. You know, like so many people coming out of yeah. high school with, with decent writing skills who don't know what they want to do. Oh, I'll study English. I'm sure it will lead to some sort of career. And of course it didn't. Um, but it led to various other lessons, which paid off later. I just didn't realize it at the time. Uh, and then you have to fast forward quite a few years to, to 2015, where, yes, I went to Centennial College. It's, it's, uh, they have a sports journalism program there. So I think it's a very good program. There, with some caveats, there's some, I'm, I'm sure, because if you'll ask some of my classmates, it could be a little disorganized at times. And yeah. you definitely, it's one of those programs where you, you probably have to bring a lot, of, you have to put a lot into it, I feel like. But if you do, you can get a lot about it. There, there, there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, we had some great instructors. I'm just going to write off some names. I had to write them down. Uh, Shai Davidi with the Blue Jays. Oh, nice. Who helped my interview skills. So he taught like interviewing and writing. And to this day, just, just fundamental stuff, you know, basic stuff, James, but stuff that for me, I was like, oh, like, I can't, that's amazing. Like that's something probably thousands of people in the business know, but I, I'd never done it before. I had no idea. So I absorbed everything that that guy said and everything he talked about writing. Um, some, some people helped with video, PJ Kwan, Kathy Barnes, Tony Ambrosio, very respected. Oh, uh, Tony, I worked with Tony at the score. Tony is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in the industry. You must know him, yeah. Um, yeah. So Tony, uh, he instructed a class, and he's such a good guy, and, and really helped me define myself because he referred to me as a, as a glue guy. But some people would take that as an insult, like, oh, that means, you know, you're not a star or whatever. But for me, that was such a compliment because that is how I uh, kind of made my name in my class. I, I'll tell everyone, you know, I, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the... I, I don't even think, I don't think I'm the hardest. I think I work hard. I'm not the hardest working guy. I'm not the funniest guy. I'm not the best looking guy, but I thought like, I'm going to at least try and be good at, at, at those various things, you know, and, and back people up and, and help this person and help this person and make this project better if I can. And, and he noticed that and he said, you're a glue guy. And I said, you know, I, to this day, I feel like I'm a little bit of a glue guy. That's kind of the role I have. So Tony Ambrosio is great. Uh, we got to work a little bit with Jim Taddy. And, you know, the little, the little point, you know, he's a, he's a legend up here in Canada, broadcasting legend. Yeah. And the little, the little just tips he'll give you here and there. I think they really helped. And I, I thought about them this weekend. So uh, a lot of stuff like that. And I, and I had to give a special, uh, two special thanks. The, the, the man who runs the program, uh, a great writer, uh, Malcolm Kelly, uh, who's, who's worked with CBC for many years, a great writer. He runs the program, very hardworking man. Um, he, he's a, he's a funny guy. Uh, and I'll tell you, um, he'll challenge you he'll challenge you but also he cares he really genuinely cared about everyone in the program and and that that goes a long way you know when you when you're when you're so new to something 
and you don't know, you really have no idea what you're doing, it goes a long way. Um, some of the other people who, in the program who might have known more than me might have been frustrated with maybe the way some of the classes were structured. But for someone like me who was so green, everything seemed important. Everything seemed interesting. Yeah, you got to take advantage of every opportunity you have, whether it's organized or not organized. You have to sort of make it work for yourself. And uh, you've certainly done that. And of course, that led to I'm sure there's some other things we're missing in between. But you, you worked at the score. Um, and, you know, when I think of the score, I think of when the MMA, their their MMA coverage was, you know, the one of the best, you know, even outside of, uh, you know, just just Canada. I mean, we're, we're talking even before MMA fighting. The score had, you know, the MMA show every week with Mauro Ronaldo. They had, you know, uh, the radio show as well, which, uh, you know, my good friend Adam Martin was, you know, a producer on that show. And Aaron Bronsetter, who you mentioned as well, also worked at the score during that time. So there was this huge sort of boom with the score. And then once it got bought out by Rogers uh, Sportsnet, uh, the score went away and uh, their MMA coverage and even them doing events just evaporated. And then it, there was a resurgence and you were part of that resurgence as, you know, being part of the MMA coverage. So how did you end up getting the job and what was sort of your, I mean, you talked a bit about it there earlier about sort of the day to day, but how did you get the job and, and what was it like, you know, working there? See, uh, so this is a situation where the old adage of, you know, um, preparation and opportunity meeting equal success, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'll tell you something. I'm one of the luckiest people in the industry. I got a lot of luck. Okay, so I, I get the internship right out of Centennial College. Again, three things to Centennial College. That's part of the program is, you know, setting you up with an internship. So I ended up getting set up with a score. I was working under uh, another writer named Kyle Smith, heck of a guy. Uh, and, I, and then after a while, they, they offered me the part-time. Well, what happened was, he, uh, they offered me a part-time job mm -hmm. and then, uh, Kyle left, uh, about a month or two after I got the part-time job and they said, well, do you want the full-time job? So within a matter of months, right out of school, I was fortunate. And it's funny because again, since I thought I was going to do broadcasting, I was like, oh, should I have gone to Sportsnet? Should I have gone to TSN? But I realized internships there are a little more hands-off. Again, I'm sure a great experience, but you're probably not going to be doing on-cam stuff within six months of working, you know, as an intern at, at uh, sports unless you happen to know somebody or something. So the score turned out to be just right, and the opportunities just fell right in front of me. And again, I'm very lucky, but I was I was prepared. I, I made sure, I said, if they're going to give me this opportunity, I'm not going to let them down. You know, I, I don't want to be, I can't be wide-eyed all the time and be like, oh, I'm just so lucky to be here, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, that's not why they're giving me these opportunities. They, they expect me to produce and I'm going to do that. I'm going to overproduce. I'm going to overproduce from what they expect. You know, um, the other person I want to shout out Centennial and it relates to this was um, the hockey night in Canada producer, uh, Mark Askin. He came to talk to our classes on a handful of occasions. And if you ever heard that guy talk, it's like a preacher. He just, he just inspires you to go out and you want to work in sports more than anything. And he always told us about the six P's proper preparation prevents piss poor performance. Pardon the language. And, I stick to that to this day because I would just go into work every day thinking I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. Anytime I got any advance notice on anything, it's like, just be ready, be ready, be as prepared as you can, especially with interviews um, at the score, the MMA department, we were one of the only groups that were fortunate enough to regularly get interviews. So we would get, so I don't care if I was, if I was interviewing, you know, Dan Henderson or, uh, or Karen Melendez or, you know, Ben Askren, whoever it was, you treat that when you're interviewing that person, that person is the most important person in the world. Their story is so important. So that was part of it is always be prepared and, and, and obviously respectful. And um, I don't know if you want me to get now into how the score, how I went from the score to fighting. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, we're just sort of, we've we got about 10 minutes left. So I figure we'll, you know, let, let's, let's cover yeah. that. There are some more questions I had about the score, but we, we can maybe get to those after, but oh, uh, no, you don't ask about the score now. It's fine. Yeah. Well, no, I was, was going to say, how did you go about getting interviews when you worked at the score? Like was, I know you had that relationship with Bellator where you're on the press list. Like a lot of us are. Um, how did you get the UFC interviews? How did you go about doing that? So the UFC interviews were a little more sparse. I think early on we, we had a, we had a stronger relationship with them, but then there was unfortunately a shuffling in the UFC Canada offices and I feel like, I don't know if it's just us, but, but definitely our outlet seemed to, seemed to lose some access there. So we got a few UFC interviews early on. We always had, had more Bellator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for a stretch there, it was only Bellator. And I'll give a shout out to CJ and Danny from the Bellator PR department, two great guys, great guys to work with. And yeah, it was mostly Bellator stuff. And it was just handled through the office. They would just send us the list, they send us the list. And, and we would, I would have to let someone know to contact them, you know. So there was a, there was a bit of a middleman there. But um, yeah, nothing too complicated. But I was very fortunate in, in the in the little time that I was that I was there to, to forge a relationship with these guys, and uh, I know that CJ was one of the people who, when MMA fighting was putting out feelers, he was very very kind and and put my name out there. He, he said uh, he really liked my interviews and um, put my name out. So I owe CJ a, a big debt of gratitude. Yeah. So tell me about that. Cause I, one minute I see you at the Mayweather uh, presser and uh, you know, you're repping the score. And then shortly after that, I felt like it was maybe a week or two after that, we see you as the newest member of MMA fighting along with uh, PT uh, Carol as well. Um, how did this all come together with you getting to work with them? I know you mentioned Bellator sort of aided in that. And you said the feeler and everything, but, but what was the, take me through the process of sort of how that all came together and you getting this dream job. So I'm a, I'm a very private person, uh, James, and, I, and I'll also preach also to people as, um, I'll celebrate my successes, but not too loudly, you know, and also yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll dwell on my failures, but not too long as well. Right. Yeah. You know, everything has to be mature and moderate about. So what happens is I was at the score and I get contacted just in a random day by a text from supposedly Ariel Hawani. Now I've never, other than shaking his hand at the 206 event in Toronto, I had never met Ariel. I, I maybe had added him on Twitter at some point um, and had an exchange in that way. But as far as actually having any conversation or relationship with the man, I had none. So I thought, this is a joke. This is a friend of mine messing with me. My, all my friends know I'm, I work in MMA. They're just screwing with me. Yeah. Um, but earlier that day, Mark Ramondi from MMA Fighting had followed me on Twitter. So I was like, okay, well, that's a good coincidence. And at the very least, I can send him a message on Twitter, you know, DM him and ask him, hey, is this true? Or is, I kind of got a message from someone saying they're aerial. Uh, is that accurate? Are you guys actually looking for people to help with the site? And he was like, yes, as far as I know, there are no uh, aerial catfishes out there. So, <laughs> yes, we are looking for help. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, it's it's fine to follow up on it. I'm like, okay, great. So so I messaged Ariel back. And then he eventually hooks me up with the editor of MMA Fighting, Brian Tucker. And uh, I, and I, 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 now every time I tell the story, I think that was part of the test. I think if I had responded to the text right away, they would have been like, this guy has no journalistic skills. He believed it too quickly. He didn't. <laughs> so I think they wanted me to investigate a little further. So, so that worked out. And um, there was no, no offer made right away, James. You know, it was just saying, hey, we've seen your stuff. We're aware of you. And for me, obviously, that was a thrill. I'm like, that's amazing. Because um, at the score, we, just, we didn't get a lot of immediate feedback, you know, um, it, 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 I love working there, but one thing I will say as a writer, you don't get is a lot of feedback from from the fans. You don't know if you're how hard your stuff is hitting, other than you know, as long as you're still employed, then I guess that's a good sign, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I was I was just contacted and not given any guarantees. As far as I knew, I thought, oh, I'm a, I must be one of twenty people they've spoken to. You know, I made no assumption that like, oh yeah, they're they're trying to get me. No, no, they're they're trying to find people. I've just been contacted as they have with anyone. 
Um, but fortunately, I, I, you know, I hung in there and then I, I didn't, I, I didn't contact them. I wasn't bothering them every week. Like, Hey, so what's up with the job? No, uh, just a couple of weeks. I, I think I sent them a few articles and said, Hey, you know, I know you said you want to see what's up. So I thought this was good. I thought this was good. And like that, just, just give them a, a little poke every now and then. And a couple months later they said, yeah, we want to bring you on. I said, that's amazing. Uh, Things went very smoothly with the score. They, they were very classy about, about uh, my departure. Uh, I have nothing but good things to say about the score. And, um, yeah, and suddenly I'm part of MMA fighting and, and working alongside some of these names that, I, that I've been reading and admiring for so long. And it's, it's a bit crazy. And, and it, it was at its most surreal, as you said, you know, last Friday when I'm doing the preview show with Ariel. And I'm just like, wow, this is, this is exciting. You know, this is a someone, again, someone I've admired for so long. And I've seen other people doing the preview show with Ariel. And now I'm the guy doing the preview show with Ariel. And, uh, you know, I don't know how it happened, but as I said with the score, all I want to do is reward them for their faith and, and uh, just keep getting better and, and, you know, show that I deserve to be at MMA fighting. So. Awesome. Uh, we got five minutes left, but I'm actually going to wrap up the show a little bit early. And I did want to ask you one more question. I actually have an interview uh, in five minutes, actually a good one, uh, which I'll maybe I'll plug at the end here. But uh, the, uh, the the piece of advice that you give to those who are watching, I mean, you're a great example of someone who's, you know, really, ca- you know, done a fantastic job in, in a short period of time, and you've really risen to the top. What, what's the one piece of advice you'd give someone that's out there that's looking to get into the industry and, you know, trying to achieve the level of success that you have? I'll give you two quick pieces. The first one is one, don't be like me. First, don't be like me. <laughs> Not really, you know, don't be like me. Don't wait. I'm very lucky. I have, a, I have an amazing amount of support from, and I have my whole life from friends and family, uh, financially very comfortable, you know, um, not rich, not rich by any means, but certainly comfortable, you know, so I, I could have afforded to take my time, but I'll say for people out there, again, for, if you're younger, don't be like me, jump with those opportunities when you, when you want to, you know, if that means, if that means going to a college instead of university, if you think that's for you, you know, do that. Don't, don't be, you know, don't be like you have to follow what people tell you like, oh, this school is better. But, but if it's not what you want to do, go to the school that has the program you want. Do that. Pursue, be specific. Be as specific as you want early on. You'll always, if it doesn't work out, you'll always have time. And, th- and that's my second piece of advice is I was 30 when I finally decided I'm going to pursue MMA journalism. I'm just going to go for it. If it doesn't work out, at least, you know, later in my life, I'll know. I tried. I tried. I gave it a shot. You know, I, I, w- I would have regretted it forever if I had not done that one year program and that internship at the score, even if I hadn't gotten hired by the score. You know, it was if, even if my story was just, yep, I got to do a year of this great program and six months at the score as an intern and a part time worker. And then they got rid of me. I would always be able to look back on that with pride. I would always say I was I did it. You know, I was in the industry for, for however long. And fortunately, I can say I'm, I'm still in the industry. But I'll tell people, you know, one, don't don't start late. But two, if you do start late. Don't give up. You know, we, we live in an age where it's, 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 it's really easy to catch up, I feel. You know, um, not, maybe not for everyone. You know, I know everyone's got different struggles, different, different responsibilities. But if, if you're in that situation where the only, you know, the only thing stopping you is you and it's this mental block you have, it's like just challenge yourself and, and, and take them one little victory at a time, one little victory, you know, and, and, and don't let the setbacks push you back too much because it adds up. It adds up and you just you don't know what can happen. So, um, you know, that break will come. You know, that break will come if you put that work in and uh just be ready for it that's the, the only thing you don't want to be is not prepared when that break comes you know that's the scariest thing but if you if you put that work in it, it, it'll, it'll happen for you so that's that's uh, probably the advice i can give you great advice and uh just uh, it was great having you on the show alex uh, honestly it was uh, good to catch up with you and uh, i really felt this interview was very informative for those who are looking to cover fight week and also get a little bit of background on you uh just remind people where they can find you on social media and uh let us know what you got coming up this week on mmafighting.com uh, you can you can follow me at at Alexander K Lee on Twitter. 
I don't really have much of a social media presence outside of that. And uh, you can find my articles at mayfighting.com. That's correct. I've got something with Alex Perez coming up soon. He's, he's making his debut at UFC Fresno. So I've got a little interview feature with him coming up. Otherwise, just regular coverage. And I think I'll be, you know, helping to keep up with the Bellator Vans and Victa. Uh, a lot of good fights coming up this week. So just staying on that grind and uh, otherwise nothing special. But uh, James, thanks. I want to say thank you again so much for having me. It's, it really is an honor, man. And, and I really appreciate all the help you've given me. Um, you're definitely one of the names that I think of when I think like, man, who helped me figure out how to work in this crazy industry? You're up there and you're, and you're still helping me to this day. So I really appreciate that. And you're helping me, man. I always see those retweets from you and, and they definitely go a long way. So I, I certainly appreciate, uh, you know, you coming on and, and telling your story. Um, everyone knows you can find me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. I've got a bunch of interviews coming up this week. And of course, Friday, I will be in Montreal covering TKO 41, uh, which is their biggest card of the year. They got five title fights. It's taking place at the Bell Center. Uh, look on MMAoddsbreaker.com for, for all the coverage there. And of course, if you haven't already checked out my coverage this week on Fightful.com, I was there at UFC 218, got a ton of interviews. Check that out. I'll also be doing a ton of interviews this week. I uh, just sort of on my own, um, but I got to go because I got to do some more interviews. But uh, thanks everyone for watching. Please give me your feedback on this episode and all our episodes. We really appreciate it and uh, have a great day, guys. We'll be back next week. Perfect. Do that. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.